What's up, this Shaq Barrett, outside linebacker of the Tampa Bay Bucks, and you're listening to the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. What is going on, everybody? I hope you're having a great day today. This is Alex from the Fresh Fantasy Podcast, and this is the 49th episode of Season 3. Today, we're going to be talking about Week 2 takeaways and Week 3 waiver wire. Today, we have a few takeaways from the biggest games. We have some stats, data, insight for all of you, and then I'll jump right into the top 10 waiver targets for this coming week. And we got a lot of really, really juicy waiver targets before we get into those we have some pretty crazy data to share with you guys for this week in the NFL. That starts with Kyle Pitts. I know Kyle Pitts had a terrible start, but we talked about it on the last episode that he had a absolutely brutal matchup. But again, Alex, you're saying, Alex, guys, like, come on now. It's Kyle Pitts. Like, he, we drafted him to be a absolute matchup-proof option, and he hasn't been that, and I agree with that. And if he continues, then I'm sorry. That is completely on me for pushing him as much as it did. But don't forget that Kyle Pitts is the only tight end in the last 60 years to hit 1,000 receiving yards as a rookie. And the other part that I looked into, and this is not you know, super relevant because Kyle Pitts is a special talent, but he did bad against the Saints. But this week, the Saints held the Bucks to just nine yards from their tight end position, just one catch to Cameron Brait for nine yards. And then last week, the Rams – held the Bills in the season opener where Kyle Pitts struggled to just five yards at the tight end position. So doesn't mean that automatically Kyle Pitts just playing bad matchups needs to be better than that. He needs to be matchup proof at the end of the day. But Kyle Pitts is a generational talent, only tight end in the last 60 years to hit 1,000 receiving yards and is the highest drafted tight end of all time. I think that he's the biggest buy low in fantasy football. But if you feel like Kyle Pitts has burned you and you don't want to try Kyle Pitts – that is just fine. But don't forget, this guy finished his top five as a rookie. I know it's a different quarterback with Marcus Mariota. But Kyle Pitts is just way too good not to see a lot more targets, especially in an offense that's really only great player that is commanding a lot of targets is Drake London. Outside of that, this is going to be the Kyle Pitts show pretty soon. Mark my words on that. If not, I will hold the biggest L of all time. But Kyle Pitts is too good not to succeed. Number two, the three highest snap shares from Sunday for running backs – where Christian McCaffrey, 91%, Leonard Fournette, 87%, and Saquon Barkley, 84%. Bigger days are coming for all of these guys. That was from Dwayne McFarland of PFF, by the way. But point is with those running backs, CMC, Fournette, Saquon, all guys I am buying low on right now. If you can buy them low, Saquon's literally the running back three in fantasy football right now. But some people are saying, oh, he's in this offense, so he's not going to produce. Like, come on now. Christian McCaffrey has hit. 100-plus yards or a touchdown in 22 straight games per Ian Harditz of PFF. CMC is great. Fournette is great. Saquon is great. Buy low if people will let you. Number three, Jalen Waddell saw a target on 45% of his routes this week against the Dolphins. Sorry, against the Ravens. And he is third in the NFL in target per route run right now behind only Tyreek Hill and Amon Ross St. Brown. He's in for a massive year. Not only you can buy him low, but Jalen Waddle is clearly taking the next step. Another guy that maybe I will be holding in L1. It's only been two weeks, but this past week, against the Jets at least, Amari Cooper had a 37% target share and 91% route participation. 
He's never exceeded a 22% target share in a season for his career. But if he maintains anything near that 37 or 30% target share and you know 90 plus percent route participation, that is going to be huge for Amari Cooper. But again, no matter what, in offenses that were similar, that were not with a lot of great players, like he didn't play with CeeDee Lamb every year, Cooper still never commanded more than 22% of the targets. He still is playing with Jacoby Brissett, but Amari Cooper could be an interesting buy low for the playoffs when Deshaun Watson comes back. Number five, Amon Ross St. Brown got eight receptions in eight consecutive games, which ties the NFL record. Here's the rest of the list. This shows how great Amon Ross St. Brown is. Maybe he is the biggest you know, buy right now if you still can in Dynasty, even though no one's going to want to sell him. The rest of this list where he just tied the NFL record for consecutive games with eight-plus receptions, Antonio Brown and Michael Thomas also had eight. Anquan Bolden, Travis Kelsey also had seven straight games with eight-plus receptions and had six was Andre Johnson, Marvin Harrison, and Isaac Bruce. So why am I naming all these names? Because these are all absolute God-tier Hall of Fame receivers. Maybe outside of Michael Thomas because he only hasn't had that many great years. Michael Thomas has been really, really good. The rest of this list is all Hall of Fame receivers. Amon Ross St. Brown is in company with all those guys. Last stat about Amon Ross St. Brown, his last eight games per Scott Barrett, he's averaged 25.6 fantasy points per game. Justin Jefferson's best eight-game stretch of his career, he averaged only 22.6 fantasy points per game. That is a big, big difference. Amon Ross St. Brown is him. Make sure you're grabbing him. One other thing, I couldn't put him on the waiver list because he's owning too many leagues at this point, and maybe we should have had him higher on last week's list, but Curtis Samuel has now hit double-digit fantasy points in 10 of his last 12 games where he played 40-plus percent of the snaps. He's looking really, really good. Maybe we should have had him even higher on the waiver wire. Just crazy to me when, you know, Jahan Dotson was the number two all through training camp, first round talent, still looked really good. They have Terry McLaurin, but Curtis Samuel's been the guy. So, again, that's saying that he's hit double digit points in 10 of his last 12 games. That's saying buy him if you still can. You know, maybe, maybe he's better than Jahan Dotson for the rest of the season. I think that he is. Maybe someone won't trade him, but if you can still buy low on Curtis Samuel, it seems like his value is only going to continue to go up. But that being said, let's get into our top 10 waiver targets of the season. Number one for week three in waiver targets is Garrett Wilson. Top 10 pick is a 31% target per route run. So every route he's running, he's getting a target 30% of the time. The highest in the NFL right now is 35% with Tyreek and Amon Ross St. Brown. Garrett Wilson is getting targeted as high of a rate as any wide receiver pretty much in the NFL. He also has the second most points of all time through two weeks for a top 10 wide receiver. Number one is A.J. Green. Number three is actually Drake London. Number four is Jamar Chase. Calvin Johnson is sixth. Roy Williams is fifth. But again, elite, elite company. How about one more stat for Garrett Wilson? It's also per Ian Harditz of PFF. Most targets so far in the NFL through two weeks as the first read of the QB. So the guy that the guy that the QB is looking to first, the most targets in that category. Here is the list. Cooper Cup number one, Waddle two, Tyreek three, Devontae Adams four, Amon Ross St. Brown five, Jamar Chase six. Guess who's seven? Garrett Wilson. This guy is absolutely elite. And hopefully, whether it's Joe Flacco or Zach Wilson, they can just get this man the ball. Clearly a really elite player and a guy that I am targeting number one on every single waiver wire. My number two target, also a rookie wide receiver, and it's Chris Olave. 
He had an absolutely elite 84% route participation per PFF, a 34% target share in week two, and 335 air yards, which is the amount of distance the football travel travels towards the player on targets, whether it is completed or not. The only players since 2016 to clear 300 yards air yards in a game are Mike Evans, Julio Jones, AJ Green, and Marquise Brown. Elite, elite list, which says to me that pretty much at worst he is Marquise Brown. He's tied to a good offense with Jameis Winston. He had a massive week two, and I think that more production is going to come when he converts more of those air yards. My number three pickup of this week is Tua Tungo-Vailoa. He's got elite weapons. I know he just came off a big game, but we should be buying him not only for what he just did, but also what their offense is doing. Their offense is 83 pass attempts to 41 rushing attempts, which means they're passing over two-thirds of the time, which alone is going to help make him anywhere, maybe you know a QB1. But he also is coming off 469 passing yards and six touchdowns. I think he's the perfect target for people like me that lost Trey Lance in some leagues. Again, they're passing at a higher rate over expectation than almost any team in the league. He just threw for 450 yards and six touchdowns and clearly has arguably one of the best wide receiver duos in the entire NFL with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. That is the exact kind of guy that you want to be targeting on waiver wires. My number four pick of this week is a shocking one, but it's Jacoby Myers. And it just seems like Jacoby Myers is due for some big numbers. Want to hear something crazy about Jacoby Myers? Well, too bad. You're going to hear it anyway. This is the entire list in the NFL through two weeks of players with a higher target per route run and a higher yards per route run than Jacoby Myers. Two of the most predictive stats for wide receivers. The only players higher than Jacoby Myers through two weeks, Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, Cooper Cup, Tyreek Hill, Amon Ross St. Brown, Jalen Waddell, and Drake London. Elite list once again, which says that Jacoby Myers is due to produce. He's had a 30-plus percent target share in way more than half of his games over the last year and two weeks. And Jacoby Myers is maybe not playing in the best offense, but is seeing elite targets. He has an elite target per route run, an elite yards per route run, a guy that I am going to be buying in a lot of leagues. My number six target is Raheem Mostert, who may now be, unfortunately, the Dolphins running back one over Chase Edmonds. It came out of nowhere, but this week, Raheem Mostert saw a 55% snap share, a 49% route participation, and saw 61% of the carries in what is seeming to be a very good offense. Is it going to be amazing? We don't know. But if you can get the running back one on waivers in an offense that could be really good like this, that could be scoring 30 points a week, and you can get the guy that also fits this scheme of this outside zone running scheme, that's exactly what we want to be looking for. Can Mostert stay healthy? We don't know. But we've seen him produce in the past. He's playing in a good offense, and it seems like he could have taken over as the running back one, a perfect waiver target. But number seven, never thought I'd say this, but is another Washington commander, and it's Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is thrown for 350 passing yards through two weeks and has completed 66% of his passes with seven touchdowns and two interceptions. He's really, really good. If it's not Tua Tungavailoa, I'm actually going to be going Carson Wentz. He was a solid streamer last year. He is inconsistent, but if you can find him in some good matchups, I think Carson Wentz is worth a pickup. The other commander that is worth a pickup is Logan Thomas. He's coming off a torn ACL, but week one usage, he had 62% of the snaps. In week two, he saw 73% of the snaps. 
Don't forget, this guy actually led the NFL in snaps and routes run in 2020. He saw five targets and six targets, sorry, six targets and five targets in his first two games this season, and his usage should continue to go up as he gets healthier off the ACL. It's not like he's a super sexy option, but a guy that literally led the NFL in routes run as recently as two years ago, played 100% of the snaps in every week last year before he tore his ACL. The only tight end behind him is John Bates, who has not been good whatsoever. If Logan Thomas, is, who is super athletic, is healthy, he is going to be on the field a lot. And this tight end position has been brutal. Admittedly, my tight end takes have been brutal. Cole Komet, David Njoku, Kyle Pitts, brutal. But there's been no tight ends that have been good. Think of every late-round tight end that people recommended so far, whether it was Hunter Henry or Irv Smith or you know Gerald Everett. A lot of these guys. Gerald Everett's been okay, but there has not been a true, real breakout tight end so far. There's been some guys that have been solid, like Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby, which not many people were talking about. But the point is, Logan Thomas is someone you should be targeting. This tight end position has not been very good, and we've seen Logan Thomas have a previous top three finish. He is someone I am targeting. Down to the last two targets for waiver wires. Number one, or number nine, Jordan Mason of the San Francisco 49ers. Former undrafted free agent, but Elijah Mitchell is going to be out at least another six or seven weeks, and Tyrion Davis-Prince is out the next four to six weeks minimum with a high ankle sprain. And the only guy now in front of Jordan Mason, who's now playing an offense that is headed by Jimmy Garoppolo, which has been a pretty good offense for running backs the last few years, Jeff Wilson has hit 80-plus carries in a season one time in five years. One time in five years. He's clearly not that great of a running back. I think that he is clearly the starter that you want to be targeting in fantasy football is Jeff Wilson. But... He's hit a, over a four yards per carry just one time in five years. He's cleared 80 carries one time in five years, and his career high in carries is 126. To me, that says that they know that he's not that great of a player, which means to me that you could potentially have an RB1 on this team if Jordan Mason is good. Is it likely? No, but he's worth a pickup because Jeff Wilson has not stayed healthy, and there is going to be a running back one in this offense for anywhere between the next four to six weeks or more. Jordan Mason is worth a pickup. We're going to see what he's made of this week, and I'll be targeting him in case he goes Elijah Mitchell and all of a sudden breaks out for some big games. My final pick of the day is also a running back, and it's Daryl Williams. I went back and forth all day between who you should be picking up between Daryl Williams and Eno Benjamin, but it seemed like Daryl Williams, after looking at the usage, was the running back one after James Conner got hurt. Also, James Conner could end up playing this week, but James Conner has not been a model of health whatsoever in his career. He's missed a good number of games, and Daryl Williams, I think, is the guy that's going to take over. After James Conner got hurt, Daryl Williams saw 56% of the snaps compared to 48 for Eno Benjamin. 47% of the rushing attempts compared to 35% for Eno Benjamin and 41% of the routes compared to 41% for Eno Benjamin. This is a timeshare. This is a split, but don't forget that last year, Daryl Williams was a running back one after Clyde Ridsey Lair got hurt. He's still playing in a really good Cardinals offense. So if James Conner misses some time, Daryl Williams, the guy that you want to be picking up, would I be putting in a waiver claim for him? I'm not sure. I don't I think that I would be letting Jordan Mason and Daryl Williams go on your waiver wires, and I wouldn't be spending much fab, but no more than 5%. 
But I think they're the guys that are going to be overlooked this week and guys that you can be picking up on your waiver wire for free that could potentially be plug-and-play options with some big potential in fantasy football. But that is it for our Week 2 takeaways and the Week 3 waiver wire. I hope you guys enjoyed. We have that brand-new special show that is never seen before in the fantasy football land coming out Friday, so make sure to check that out. But as always, appreciate your all your support, and you guys already know what to, know what to do. Please leave a review. You guys already know what to do, and I hope you all have a great rest of your day.